Well, thank you so much, and good evening, everybody. It's good to see all of you that are here tonight. What a joy to be here. My heart has been greatly refreshed tonight. I loved hearing all the beautiful singing. Did you like the choir? Well, if you don't like them, send them down my way, all right? We'll get a bus, and we'll run it down to Cincinnati every Sunday. That was good, man. And then the young people. Then you love the young people, too. And the precious sister that sang. You know what I loved about the young people's groups that sang? There were people in the youth group with gray hair. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> but I'm going to, because you're looking at a guy that was looking at them gray-haired people thinking, young people, youth group. All right, I need to... I need to recalibrate my thinking about what old age is all about. It is a joy to be with you. Thank you, Pastor, for having me and inviting me to come tonight. What a joy to share God's Word. I am who I am tonight by the grace of God, and I thank God for His rich grace that has been so wonderful in my life. And I thank Him for all that He has done for me, and tonight... All I want to do is lift up Jesus Christ. For he said, if I be lifted up, then I will draw all men to me. We're looking at Matthew's gospel tonight in chapter 14. Matthew's gospel chapter 14. Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 14. We're going to begin reading at verse 22. Matthew chapter 14. Verse 22. And straightway or immediately Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit or a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And after Jesus thought upon this for some great length of time, oh, I'm sorry, if that's what your Bible says, you need to trade it in for another translation. I'm glad that's not what it says. For it says, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, 
Thou art the Son of God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word tonight. Before you sit down, shake hands with somebody, say, I like you, and then you may be seated. When you put it all together, it had been a rather remarkable, eventful day in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it began with early that day, the sad news of the death of John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight paths for your feet. The one who on that unforgettable day saw Jesus coming and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But we all know the story how in Herod's prison he had been beheaded. News arrived to Jesus and his disciples, many of whom had been followers of John the Baptist previous to following Jesus. And upon hearing this sad news, Jesus and his disciples got into a ship, sailed along the coast to go out into the wilderness into a solitary place. You know, sometimes when you receive news like that, that's so traumatic and so saddening and heartbreaking, you just want to be alone. And Jesus' disciples went out into the wilderness to be alone. But the Bible says that great multitudes followed along the shore on foot. And when they got to their destination, instead of it being a day of isolation and reflection, it became a day of crowds and ministry and needs. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Laying aside his own needs, he began to minister to that crowd. He taught them. He healed them. You know the story. The evening came. It was time to send them home. And, and Jesus said, well, what do we have here? And they looked through the whole crowd. These thousands of people. It always amazes me that out of these thousands of people, that only one mother knew how long some preachers could preach. And so she pracked her son a lunch. It just always amazes me. Five loaves, two fishes, and water so few among so many. I hope somewhere when we get to heaven I can see that scene replayed for us. When Jesus took in his hands what was so little, so insignificant. And yet did what Jesus always does with whatever we place in his hands. For little is much when God is in. And he blessed it. And he broke it and fed the multitudes. And when it was all over, there were 12 basketfuls. Aren't you glad he's the one who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever ask of him? Amen? And now it's time to send the multitudes away. And Jesus sends them away. But stranger yet, he is sending the disciples away and tells them to get in a ship and to go to the other side. It says these words, and he constrained them to get into the ship. That word is a strong word. It means to insist upon. It, it means to make somebody do something who is probably reluctant to want to do. But nevertheless, because the master told them to, they got into the ship and started to the other side. They saw Jesus as he makes his way up into the mountain to pray. 
to spend time with his father. But before the evening is over, they're caught in the grip of a tremendous storm. The night turns dark, the lightning flashes, the winds howl, the thunders roar. And the sea becomes as if it's a living creature grabbing hold of their frail boat as they row and they bail and they fight for their very lives. As the icy fingers of fear gnaw at their very souls, they're caught in the grip of a storm. The reality is that all of us face storms in life, don't we? Somebody told me here a while back, that the truth of the matter is, you're either headed for a storm in a storm or you just got out of a storm. The truth is, we all face storms. Young people face storms. I've worked in youth ministry. I've taught at God's Bible school in college, was campus pastor for a number of years. In fact, Elisha Sickle is here somewhere. I taught him and he survived. So <laughs> wasn't all that bad, was it? You better say that. All right. But young people go through storms. I look at you young people sitting here tonight. If you and I could sit down over a good cup of coffee or whatever your favorite latte is and talk for a little while, I'd probably come to find out there are things going on, storms in your life. Young couples, young adults go through storms. You remember when you got married? How many of you can still remember when you got married? I look back, I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, what were we thinking? And she re very quickly replied, we weren't thinking. <laughs> if we'd been thinking, we probably, Pastor, would have never gotten married if we'd have been thinking, you know. You leave your tribe, I'll leave my tribe, let's go start our own tribe, you know. We started off where I was working at a Bible college, still finishing up. I mean, you know, I was one of those guys that crammed a four-year degree in five years and got a wife in the process. And I was on my final year of Bible college, and, and you know, when ev all, everything was paid out, I think we had about $13 between us and poverty. I was driving a 77 Chrysler Cordoba with a 400 engine. That was back when they made beautiful cars. Can I get a witness on that? 400 engine, nine mile to the gallon. I think I put more oil than I did gas in that thing. Big old long front end, vinyl bucket seat, column shift. Nine mile to the gallon. We lived in an old run-down trailer. The door, you could hold on to the knob, grab a hold of the corner of the door and pull it in and out of that old trailer. In, in the winter time, when the furnace kicked on, it shot flames that far out in the hallway. <laughs> I, I had a $1 lamp. I had a $5 end table. I had my Uncle George's love seat that he gave me, our wife's, my wife's bedroom suit, and, and, many, and I bought this table and chairs on the side of the road for $30. We were ready to take on the world. Boy, did we have storms that came. And then the children came. I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but we didn't have a child. We always had children at our house. I've got four daughters, two sets of twin girls, like Noah's Ark. Our kids all came two by two. <laughs> we never had a child. We always had children. You talk about some storms. I mean, I can remember when we had to pray in baby formula because we didn't have the money. Storms come. Storms come in midlife. Storms come... I, I, just, I just sat down with a young man 40 years of age 
who is dying with terminal cancer right now in my church, 40 years of age, and is dying with terminal cancer. Storms come. I just sat at lunch this week with a 40, another 40-year-old 40 man in my church whose wife has sued him for divorce. And he sat there and wept at the table. Talking about storms. Storms coming. Storms come to us when we get older too, don't they? I mean, we thought about those golden years and then you got there and you wonder where was all the gold they promised us in these golden years. And storms come. And some of you tonight are right in the midst of a storm. I pastored Nora. Everybody needs... Everybody needs one Nora in their congregation. Now, Nora was only about five feet tall, but Nora, in Nora's eyes, pastor could do no wrong. Now, she could shake her little finger at me and tell me what I ought to do, but woe be unto anybody else that tried to tell pastor what he ought to do. I mean, she would, come, she would fight for me, little Nora. She was in her 70s. Most patriotic person I ever knew. This is the absolute truth. She had red, white, and blue curtains in her living room. She had flags out flying everywhere in her yard. She had red, white, and blue whirly gigs that blew when the wind blew and just spun around out in her yard. Everything in her living room was red, white, and blue. Now, I don't know what you think of Billy Graham. That really doesn't matter, but she loved, Nora loved Billy Graham. And she hung Billy Graham's picture on her living room wall. But here's the best part. She always called me her little Billy Graham. Well, you know, folks, I want to tell you right now, look at me. Anybody calls me little is my friend. You know what I mean? And I was her little Billy Graham. And Billy Graham hung on one side and my picture was on the other side of her living room wall. She called me up. Say, oh, preacher, I got a dilemma, I got a problem. What's wrong, Nora? She said, I got a peach pie laying here on, right here on the counter, and if somebody doesn't come and help me eat this peach pie, it's going to spoil. <laughs> now, the truth of the matter was, that peach pie had just come out of the oven. And she'd been to Walmart and got a great big bucket of vanilla ice cream. But sometimes, you know, folks, a pastor... Pastors just got to do what a pastor's got to do, you know? And as they say where I come from, southern Indiana, you just bow up and be the man, you know? And I'd go over and we'd eat peach cobbler and ice cream and work Thomas Kincaid puzzles. She was 70 years old. She had Parkinson's disease. She had cancer. And she battled through all of it without ever complaining. After I left there, I got word that she'd had a stroke and was in the nursing home. I went to see her. I never forget, when I walked in the door, she looked over and saw me. And the first thing she said through slurred speech was, there he is, there's my little Billy Graham. But it wasn't but a few moments until she began to weep. And she said, you know, you know, Pastor Mark, I came through Parkinson's and, and I fought through cancer. But now I've had this stroke. thought of my, our brother who shared his testimony tonight. And she said, I lay here paralyzed on one side. And when my daughter leaves and I'm all alone here, she said, fear like I've never known tries to get a hold of me. She said, I know I'm ready to meet the Lord. It's not that I'm afraid of that. It's just 
fear of the unknown. I prayed with her. I hugged her and said goodbye. And two weeks later, Nora went to be with Jesus. But storms come in all of our lives. But here is what I want you to focus on with me for just a few minutes tonight. And that is that there is a Christ for every storm. A Christ for every storm. Whatever storm you're going through tonight, whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever challenge seems like it's more than you can handle tonight, I'm just here to tell you, there's a Christ who will be with you and He will see you through the storm in your life. Amen. And so let's look for a few moments tonight at this Christ of every storm. First of all, as I look at this Biblical account tonight, this story I see, number one, he's the Christ who understands our struggle in the storm. He is the Christ who understands our struggle in the storm. If you were to go to Mark's Gospel and read this same account in Mark's Gospel, something very fascinating comes out of that account, and that's this. It says that while Jesus was up in the mountain and they were out there on the Sea of Galilee, it says that Jesus looked out, and don't miss this, and He saw their toil in rowing. He saw their toil in rowing. He didn't just see them. He didn't just see their rowing. He saw their toil, their struggle in rowing. I don't know who you are tonight. I don't know for sure where you're seated in this camp meeting crowd tonight. Can I tell you? He understands the struggle of your storm tonight. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to find people who understand. We, we try to share with our closest friend. I just recently was going through something, and I, I called a dear friend of mine up, Mike Avery. said, Mike, I, I need a friend. Can I? When, he said, well, come on over. I'll put a pot of coffee on. It was so nice to just go over and sit on his back porch and just unburden my heart. And he tried to understand. I'm not sure if he did or if he didn't. Sometimes even our close friends may not understand. Sometimes our, very, our own companions may not understand. Our, our wives may not fully understand. Our husband surely may not fully understand. And you may feel like no one really understands. But I want to assure you tonight that Jesus Christ... He understands your toil in rowing. For we have a high priest who is touched. You hear me tonight? We have a high priest who is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. For he robed himself in human flesh and humbled himself and came to this earth. And he understands the struggle you're going through tonight. Secondly, as I look at this Christ of the storm, 
He is not only the one who understands the struggle of our storm, but He is the one who draws near to us in the storm. Aren't you glad for that? It says that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus drew near to them. Jesus came to them walking upon the water. I never read that, but what my heart isn't thrilled. Because these, these men, these disciples are in this ship. They're caught in the grip of that storm. Fight, struggle, row, bail, even though many of them have lived their entire life on this body called the Sea of Galilee, yet their combined strength is not able to get them back to the shore. They can't get to where He is, but there is no night so dark, no wind so strong, no storm so mighty, no situation so impossible, but what Jesus Christ can draw near to us. In the midst of the storm, He drew near to them. Oh, I understand theologically that He is omnipresent, that He is everywhere at all times. I understand that. But from a very practical level, from a very experiential level in our lives, there is something uniquely different when we feel alone and when we sense those times suddenly when He breaks in on the scene and we know that He has drawn near to us. I don't know about you, but I sat there tonight and I'll tell you what, I could hardly sit still at times listening to the music tonight. It just seemed like song after song after song ministered to me. And I felt the nearness of His presence. He drew near to them. This Christ of the storm still walks the lonely hospital corridors. He still visits the lonely widow and widower. He still comes alongside the discouraged saint as they kneel by their bedside to pray. Oh, I'm glad we serve a Christ who draws near to us in the storm. Just a few years ago, I was hospitalized and with some breathing problems and pneumonia and and then they all then then the specialist comes in and brings all these other people and suddenly you know you know it's never a good sign when they circle around the foot of your bed a whole posse shows up it's just never a good sign and i'll never forget that specialist said to me said mr cravens now we've, we've looked at your lung and and it, it it really doesn't look like pneumonia it looks like there's there's something else there's another there's something else wrong with your lung and i said what are you telling me you tell me well, we, we, we think maybe that you have cancer. You've got cancer in that lung. And see, we're going to run a CAT scan in the morning. Now, that's always encouraging, too, you know. Get a good night's sleep. We just tell you this good news. Now we're going to walk out of the room. Get a good night's sleep. We'll see you in the morning. They just wouldn't make good pastors. They just wouldn't, you know. <laughs> I remember when they walked out of the room. Totally took me by surprise. The good news is they were wrong. And it was just pneumonia. And I thank God for that. But I do remember when they walked out of the room. I lay there in the bed. And all of a sudden, a song came to me that they sung in a revival meeting I held in the Cayman Islands many years ago. 
Every night of that revival, they would stand up and sing a song that I hadn't heard for years. And that little chorus went like this. I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. And when I wake up in the morning, till I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. And I am blessed. And I, I sat there, I sat there in that hospital room, having just received news that I didn't want to hear. But there was such a peace, such a presence. Oh, I want to tell you something, friend. There is a, there is a Christ who draws near to us in the storm. He came to them walking upon the waters. The things that threaten me don't threaten him. The things that cause my heart to fear do not cause his heart to tremble. There is no night so dark, no wave so great, no situation so bleak. But what the Christ of the storm, he can draw near to us. Thirdly, and I'll hasten on. Thirdly, he is the Christ who challenges us to trust him while the storm is still on. He challenges us to trust Him while the storm is still on. And when they saw Him, they cried out for fear, saying, It is a ghost. But suddenly Jesus cries out to these men and says to these men in the boat, Do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. Why? Why? What do you mean? The, the, the storm is on. We're not going to make it. It doesn't look like we're going to survive. What do you mean, don't be afraid? What do you mean, be of good cheer? Here is why. Because it is I. Do not be afraid. <laughs> the winds are still howling. The storm is still on. The little boat is still going to and fro. But Jesus says, be of good cheer and do not be afraid because it is I. That phrase, it is I, is one of the I am statements of the New Testament. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the vine. Those I am statements are all come from the story back in Exodus chapter 3 of the encounter with God on the mountain with Moses. You remember that story? Moses said, I'm going to go. You're sending me down there. And when the people asked me, who has sent you? What am I to say your name is? Who am I to tell you is coming to deliver them? And God said to Moses, those unforgettable, timeless words, you tell them, I am that I am is coming down to deliver them. Yahweh, Jehovah, that is who I am. And I am going to come down and I will deliver them. The self-existent, eternal God. The one who is always the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The God who is almighty. The God who is all-knowing. The God who is eternal. The God who is above all and beyond all and before all. The God who made everything that is. The God who is the ultimate reality from which all other realities come and are called into existence the eternal I am he's never any younger he's never any older he's always the same and his power is never diminished and the years of time have not grayed his sacred brow that God is the great I am and Jesus said do not be afraid why because the great I am is right here with you 
Well, hallelujah tonight, friends. I'm just telling you, that's good news. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't even matter who's in the White House. That's good news tonight, my friends. The great I am is here tonight. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. Even while the storm's on. <laughs> even though I haven't silenced the storm yet, you have nothing to fear, for it is I, the I am is with you. My dear brother, my dear sister, my friend tonight, I don't know who you are, but I just want, I just want to tell you personally tonight that the same one who walked the billowy seas of Galilee that night is the same one who walks with us, the great I am is with you in the storm that you're going through. Oh, hallelujah. He challenges us to trust him. Peter says, Lord, if that's you, if that's really you, bid me come and walk with you on the water. Don't you love Simon Peter? He's just so great. You know, it's, you know I, I guess I identify with him because I'm always overrunning my headlights. You know, I say things before I really think them through. Well, one minute, you know, Simon Peter's so brilliant, you'd say that, you would just want to say, boy," And the next minute, you want to say, Simon Peter, would you just be quiet for a little while? But I love Simon Peter. And Simon Peter says, Lord, well, if that's you, then bid me come and walk with you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. Simon Peter grew up fishing. He had been in, he jumped out of boats and into the water all of his life. He'd never jumped out of a boat and onto water ever in his life. But tonight, he walks on the water to where Jesus is. Now don't miss this. Because Simon Peter is like most of us. Is he not when we go through the storm? He does real well as long as he stays focused on the great I am. He does real well as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus. But when he starts focusing on the wind and the waves, it says, and when he saw that the wind and the waves were boisterous. When he got his eyes off the great I am and began to look at the storm and the waves. Then he began to doubt, and when he began to doubt, he began to sing. But I love this. But as he went down, he cried a very small prayer, but it had big results. Lord, save me. And then those words, and then Jesus Straightway, he immediately stretched out his hand. I don't know where or how or why some of us developed a theology of a reluctant Savior. But my friend, I don't find that in the Word of God. I find a ready Savior. <laughs> I find a Savior who is quick to reach down 
to doubting, floundering disciples who are going through the storm and lift them up. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you felt like you, you really did well for a while, but then more questions, more circumstances, more wind, more waves. And you feel like you're going down. I want to tell you the Christ of every storm is the great I am who is ready, ready to stretch out his hand for you tonight. Lastly, the Christ of every storm is the Christ who is the master of the storm. For when he got into the boat, <laughs> the winds, they ceased. Now you have to understand, as you study the original language of the New Testament and study this passage, the idea here is this, that the winds didn't slowly die down. The winds didn't slowly begin to calm. The winds just stopped. Suddenly, like flipping a switch, the storm was over. Why? For the Christ of every storm, He's master of the storm. Friends, I want to tell you tonight, He's got, he's got it. Whatever you're into tonight, He's got that storm in His hands tonight. He's master. He's the master of the storm. And when they got in... The ship, the wind ceased, and notice this. Then they that were in the ship worshipped him, saying, of a truth, you really are the Son of God. I don't claim to be a specialist on life storms. I don't claim to have all the answers to life storms. But hear me, my dear friend, tonight. One of the things that I have learned from this is this. And that is the storms of life that come your way and my way in time will only reinforce the truth that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God and that He is who He has promised He would be. Friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, Storms that I've gone through, the storms that my family have gone through. I've got a brother six years younger than me, born on my birthday, who just went into a Columbus hospital with blood clots, his lungs filled with blood clots, his heart enlarged, blood clots between his heart and his lungs, and he was just that close to going on a ventilator, and he hung between life and death for days. But he's going home in a day or two. It's a miracle. But I'm just telling you, the storms we go through, they reinforce the reality that he really is who he promised to be. Let me close with this. I pastored a, a dear man named Roscoe Coleman. Roscoe Coleman was 93 years old. I used to tell people he was my spiritual thermometer. Because when the spirit would move, he would rise. I love those kind of people, don't you? Every church could use a few like that. I mean, he sat right up near the front. He had hearing aids in both ears. Many times they just squealed. 
And he couldn't hear anything that was going on, but it was remarkable. Let the Spirit move in the service, and he knew it. And it wouldn't be long at all until that 93-year-old preacher, old Wesley Methodist preacher, with his voice wore out from years of preaching, would slowly come to his standing position and hands in the air. And this is what he would do something like this. He would go, woo-hoo-hoo, glory. <laughs> now why the woo-woo-woo, I don't know, unless it was just trying to get to where he wanted to be. Sometimes I, I realize that. You know, I, I rock three times to get out of the rocker these days. And when I'm bent over, I just look, take a good look around to see what else I need to do while I'm down there before I get back up. <laughs> so I, I'm getting it. I'm beginning to figure it out. Spent hours a day in prayer. He was one of the most godliest men that I have ever known. Tal Marshall called me on Wednesday afternoon. Preacher, get up here to Brother Coleman's apartment. He lived alone in an apartment building. I said, what's wrong? Tony said, get up here. You need to get up here. Just get up here. I got up to the apartment complex where he lived. As I got there, they were taking him out, putting him in an ambulance. He was not responsive. His skin tone was gray. He looked like he was dying. He was not... I said, what's going on? Come to piece it all together. Sunday night after one of the men of the church dropped him off at his apartment, he went to get something to drink out of the refrigerator, slipped and fell. And from Sunday night till Wednesday afternoon, he had laid all alone on the linoleum floor of his kitchen all alone. They rushed him to the emergency. I made provision for somebody to cover the prayer meeting service and I went to her and I sat by his side there in, the, there in intensive care until his family, who lived some distance away, could get there. He lay there in intensive care, all hooked up to monitors and IVs. I was just a young fellow, 29 years of age. I was sitting there by his side. And the devil whispered to me and said, you know what? He's the godliest man you know. Why in the world would the Lord leave him all alone like that, laying on that kitchen floor? But after a couple of hours, and those IVs, I saw that man whose skin tone had been gray turn white and then start turning pink. And then I saw him begin to twitch and move. And I stood up beside of him, and I'm telling you exactly what happened. The moment he opened his eyes, not knowing where in the world he was or what world he was in, the moment that man opened his eyes, he looked at the ceiling and said these words. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And then he went, woo, woo, woo. Glory! And he put those arms in the air. And IVs were coming loose. And monitors were coming loose. And he lay there and just shouted for all he was worth. And started waving his arms and praising the Lord. And they had to come in there and calm him down and hook him back up. I stood in the corner weeping watching this 29-year-old preacher. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Now Mark, 
I never left him alone. He's not been alone. I've been with him every moment of the way. And Mark, if you'll trust me and serve me, I'll never leave you or forsake you either. He is the Christ of every storm. I want us to stand tonight, just bow our heads for a few moments. Maybe we could play something, sing something. I, 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 if we could sing, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Do we know that one? Did we sing that? And tonight while we sing a verse or two of that, here's what I'd like to do. I just wonder tonight, is there somebody here say, Preacher, Brother Mark, I'm in the storm. I'm in the storm. I just like to have a prayer here before we go tonight. I just like, I just like to talk to the Lord tonight about what's going on in my life. It may be the couple that are here tonight, a husband and wife. Maybe you need to join hands and maybe you just need to come down here and just turn the storm over to Jesus. Let's sing together this beautiful song, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Page Jesus. 337. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to to just bring something to him tonight rest upon his promise that's it just bring your burden to the Lord tonight that's it that's it just slip out from where you are Jesus how, how I trust and how I proved him Jesus, 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 precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust you. Let's sing one more verse. Sing one more verse tonight. trust him tonight he is the great I am he can you can trust him tonight just turn your situation over to him he's the Christ of every stone that's it come right on young Earl that's all right just come right on that's it. they're still coming Jesus Jesus how I trust him. How I proved him more and more. You can trust him, friend. He's trustworthy. 
Well, we've been blessed again to hear another message from God. And a message that is very needed today in this culture. I was just sitting there and I was thrilled with the thought that no matter what storm, and we've all been through a lot of them, but no matter what storm I'm in, I'm never outside of the reach of God. I hit the biggest storm of my life on January 10th. Most of you know when my wife died after a bout of leukemia. It was a big storm. I needed help and I felt so alone. And that's where the devil comes in and where he gets the advantage. And he's trying to convince you that God has left you. And now you're alone. But I thank God I knew enough about the Bible and knew enough about the reality of God because of all the other storms I went through. Brother Mark, I knew God was faithful. And God showed up again. And he carried me through the worst five months of my life. And just knowing that I was not alone. And then all of you people who sent so many cards and said so many things. And God working through every one of you to confirm to me, Pastor, you're not alone. We're praying for you. I can feel the prayers. And in this culture, and in a world and in an environment where Satan has been loosed. You don't want to roam around too much out there without God. You want to get your house in order. You want to get acquainted with God. Because if you don't need him tonight, you'll need him tomorrow. What a beautiful message. What a beautiful message. And God has sent this man and this message into this church this evening because he wants some people in here who feel alone to know you're not alone. Never you're alone. And I think there's others here who've been through many storms. Some of you are in a storm. Some of you just come out of a storm, like Brother Mark said, and some of you are going into a storm. But you need to know the good news. God will meet you no matter what phase you're in, whether you're going in, whether you're in, or whether you're coming out. God will be there, and you're never alone. 
We're going to sing another verse. What a beautiful song for this altar call. If you're feeling alone, and that's where the devil wants to get every one of us. If you're feeling like nobody loves you, that's where the devil wants to get you. But you're never alone. And God's never going to stop loving us. So if you're here tonight, why don't you let God have his way? You need a friend. So you want, why don't you come while we sing another verse? God bless you. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus just from sin and self to cease just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy One more verse, and we'll leave it with you. One more verse. God bless your heart. There's a sweet spirit in here. Thank you.